Well, good afternoon and welcome along to The Pastor's Heart. My name is Dominic Steele and it's great that you could join us this afternoon. Now, today we're thinking about the whole process of building a church building uh, from beginning to conceive of the idea whether or not we should build a building, going through council, raising the money, and then the actual building process. And uh, I've done it once, but we have as a guest Andrew Robson, who has done it three times. You've built a church building. Well, yes, in some ways. Um, Now, Andrew, um, we, we talk here about the pastor's heart, and I've said to a number of people that that season of building the building here almost killed me. So, on that reckoning, you've died three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us about your heart going through that journey. Well, I have the rule of three. <laughs> so, um, every year you spend in a building project is three years of your life. Right. So, I've done three, so I'm now ten years older than I should be, right. roughly. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it does take a lot of you, and, and I think uh, it, it's worth knowing that going in. But for me... I think... Um, so, so let's localise it. The, the, yep. the first two were up at EV Church on the Central Coast. Yeah, so I, I was... And in the, uh, you're in the middle of one at St Paul's Carlingford. That's so right. Yeah. Tell us about the, the EV one. I guess it's the, the first one at EV was probably your biggest stress and the biggest yeah. stress on your heart. That was the first one. That was the, the one that was sort of, could we do this? Is it possible to do this kind of thing? Um, that was very stressful. The second one, though, a bigger building... It was only about the same amount of money for the project. Um, and I was there, um, I think, until just before the tender went out for that one. Um, and then I moved down to Carlingford, and, mm-hmm. and um, this building has been, I think, gestating for about five years now. And we're, just, we're actually in the building process. You're halfway through, because I yeah. rang you up to ask you to do this, <coughs> and you were standing over an asbestos problem of some yes, sort. <laughs> yes, there's a, there's, that, that's, that's a good warning. The, the, in, in the Anglican system in Sydney, the diocese makes you have very fat contingencies, and that's a good thing because we've discovered a lot of, um, we, we call them little presents from the past. Yeah. All, all through our building, there's asbestos. Uh, our building is, was built on farmland, and yet inexplicably, all the fill on site is contaminated. So mm. we're not quite sure how that happened or what happened, but we've got a lot of uh, 2,000 tonnes of contaminated fill that we have to remove. Let's, let's go back to the heart, though. Yeah. Um, for me, I found myself so stressed, and then once it was completed, so many people patted me on the back that I went through pride issues um, and I had to learn all over again that it was God that did the work and not me. Yeah. Um, what about you? What's God done with your heart through this? I think I feel very blessed that I was converted uh, as a as a young adult at university. I was uh, well trained in the Bible, and I think I, I've always treasured God's grace, and I've always had a very clear sense that uh, God has chosen me. So, so the passage I was going to share was was um, Philippians three verse twelve. Not that I've already attained all this or already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I've always had a very strong sense that Jesus has taken hold of me, both in the sense of that I'm uh, saved and I'm held close, but also he's taken hold of me to be a tool in his hands. And so I I think that's always been my framework of thought. I'm I'm a tool in God's hands and um, he's given me gifts and talents and things that 
um, as he has everybody, and, and, and I just try and use those gifts as best I can. So mm-hmm. that's been my thing. I think, I think for me, at the end of a building project, I think I've felt down. I, yep. think, I think there's sort of a, a letdown yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's kind so of like the vision's been realised. Because that, yeah. I mean, even though the vision is, is Jesus and the gospel, kind of building the building takes over as the vision, yeah. at least for you as the yeah, point guy. In terms of your, your horizon, yeah, yeah, you're just focusing on that. So, yeah, I think <clears throat> at the end of a project you're depleted and it's finished and there's a letdown phase and you just got to ride that, I think. I mean, that old theory of, you know, the senior minister disappears after um, after a building project and I'm not the senior minister. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've joked that I'm, I'm the sacrificial anode. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but, yeah, th- there is a reality about it. I think if you just... Give people the space a little bit afterwards, and just recover a bit, lick your wounds, and get yeah. back to it. It's kind of a, it is a tricky thing. That that line of seventy, eighty percent of senior ministers resign a year after the building mm. project, because I'm guessing it's because my read is for me so stressful raising the yeah. money, so stressful getting through councils, so stressful getting the consensus, so stressful building, and in doing all of that. You've not actually been able to do the thing you really meant to do, which is pass to the flock and win people to Christ yep. and grow the kingdom as well as you wanted it to do. Yep. And then you flat, flatten in a funk. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We've, got some, we've got a stack of questions, yep. lots of questions. Yep. We're going to go to one from Cameron Griffiths where he asks about the theology and ministry philosophy. What are some of the ways our theology and ministry philosophy play out in our modern building designs? And so what's your answer there? Well, I think we want to be building buildings for the sake of the gospel. So we, we want to be preaching the gospel, and we want, I mean, our vision in, in church is to um, see disciples made in ever-increasing number to the glory of God. Yep. So we want to see more and more people coming to faith in Christ. And I think sometimes there's a sense in which it's not the case that if we build it, they will come, but it is often the case that if we don't build it, they can't come. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a reality in a lot of churches. They're just too small for the job they're trying to do. Yeah. They need to get bigger. And so you've, you've got to do something to yeah, I mean, You can't make plant another church out of a tiny building. You, you, you're just so many ways you're limited. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's right. And, and, you know, and, and the church planning thing too is, um, is, is, is it's very important that we're planning churches. But I think sometimes around that, whether it's church planning per se or congregation planting, Sometimes there's a bit of magical thinking about how that's all going to work. What do you mean by that? So sometimes um, there's not... It's, forgive me, but it's not that hard to get in, in a larger church to find 40, 50, 60 people, take them to a hall somewhere and set it up. Yep. What's hard is what happens if it goes well? Yeah. What happens if in that hall you grow from 40 to 80? Yeah. What, what then? Yeah. And often there's no answer to that. In my experience, you ask, well, so what happens when, when you get to 80? Well, oh, we'll, we'll work that out when we get there. And, and a lot of times that happens within, you know, month four. Yeah. They've already hit the limit of the building and there's no other buildings around that they can use. There's, um, you know... I remember um, uh, our senior, current senior minister who came to Gary Koo, he came to St Paul's, I don't know, 12 years ago yep. to plant a church uh, off-site... And he spent 12 months trying to find a building and couldn't find one. Right. And so th- there's a reality about what buildings are available and all that kind yeah. of thing. And, um, and I think, um, yeah, so 
oftentimes the building of God is critical and if we're wanting to grow, we have to work out how to make that building bigger to cram more people in. That theologically, I think, is an important starting yeah. point. I, mean, I guess there's also questions in terms of theology about what do we believe about community. Um, yep. I mean, the, there's the issue of buildings needing to be multi-purpose today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so I think that's exactly right. So when you've got a luxury of buildings are cheap, land is cheap, you can build a purpose-built building. You know, I had one architect describe to me a, a building a church building somewhere on the North Shore and he said it's the most beautiful space perfectly designed 150 years ago to, to read morning prayer in the morning. Yep. But that's all the building's good for. He said it's perfect for that Useless for anything else. Yeah. And, and our buildings increasingly need to be multi, multi-purpose. Totally. So yeah. you've got to run all kinds of different types of church meetings. Youth groups got to kick a footy in there. You've got to be able to um, you know, run all kinds of other meetings, run networks of small groups, run all kinds of things. So multi-purpose is really important. And depending on whether you're building a building from scratch or whether you're refitting an older building like, like you've done here yeah. at, at Annandale, um, th- there's differences in how you'll approach it. But, yeah, understanding, I think, building more capacity, um, building those community spaces, looking after the children, I think, is really yeah. important and I think yeah. um, sometimes is an afterthought. Yeah. Um, on that critical one, we've got a question from Mike Hasty. He says, building is both critical and a huge capital expense. How do church- churches take the quantum leap to invest in this? What options are there? Sell assets, loans, development partnerships... I didn't put fundraising because most churches would struggle to raise several million for major works. Easy to get stuck in just managing the present and find ourselves capped by infrastructure. But the thinking about this is so huge. Looking forward to this. Well, I think... Um, do, you at one push, level, do you want to push back on him? I think... I mean, I, I think you're, you're going to have to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, magical thinking um, without knowing anything about that situation particularly, or, or, or him, him at all personally. But um, there is sometimes magical thinking that says, well, it's too hard to raise the money, so there must be some other way. Somebody will just give us stuff, mm-hmm. or somebody from outside, or, you know. And the reality is, I think the tide is going out on community buildings and, and our ability to use yep. them. I think... Um, it, With they're, school they're, halls and community yeah, halls. They're, yeah, they're more expensive. Um, property prices go up, which means that those community resources are more contested. Yep. So the, the price of them is going up, therefore the availability is declining. Um, it, you know, th- there's issues within the community of the attitude to Christianity too that might be an issue for us. And we found here, when we were meeting in a community centre, we planted a church first in the library, then at Glebe Public School, then at Annandale Public mm. School. But um, nobody in the ministry owned a house because... We didn't feel permanent, and yep. just the whole feel was transient. It's only since we've actually put down roots in a church building that people have started to buy houses yeah. and make long-term decisions around us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And I think you know, there's a reality if you, if the church has a has a has a sense in which it could fold up in two weeks, which. Um, my understanding of the education department's contract is that's the case. If you're yeah. a, in, a, in an education department building, you could be given two weeks' notice and, and that's it. So how have you raised the money? Three times. Um, yeah, so we, we've um, done, done an approach that, that... And I've done it roughly the same each time. Um, the approach is to um, engage uh, the church community with why we're doing this mm-hmm. and, and, and engaging with the why 
to help them to see the the, the what you know mm-hmm. the detail of the building and the cost and, yep. and all of that kind of thing. So it's very important to have a to have a why that makes sense to people. Yeah, and and that is um, within some realm of reality achievable. Yeah, I think I think um, you know I, I I'm aware of one church that I think struggled with a, a building. Uh, giving campaign because what they're asking for was way too much right and um, so you know there's a there's a reality around that but um I, I think i think engaging everybody with the information being very open and, and sharing everything with everybody all the information so what's a realistic amount of money um the rule of thumb is if you run a good giving campaign um you should be able to raise twice your annual um uh, Giving budget mm-hmm. as as upfront and pledges over three years. Yeah. Um, some can do more. Yeah. Um, some will do less, and partly it depends on what your plan is. So, um, in your case here, I think you, you you had a single building project. Yeah. And so it made sense for you guys to to go push harder out. and go yeah. all out. Yeah. Uh, in, in our case at St Paul's, um, this is stage one of at least three stages. So we've, we're building our existing building, where um, we need to. Completely rebuild our um, completely rebuild our administration block, which is carved out of a solid block of asbestos, and um, then we need to do something for one of our off-site um, congregations at North Rocks. Which so, you know, so, so as I've thought back about our 2009 building project here, I have wondered if we didn't push too hard. Do you know we certainly pushed as hard as we could. Do you know? Yeah. Um, and and really there wasn't goodwill left in the bank to do another campaign yeah. in three years time yeah. whereas you're saying because you've got the next campaign and the next campaign to do what you think needs to be done to bring glory to Christ to Carlingford yeah. you need to keep some of that goodwill in the bank yeah, yeah and I think too um, you build uh, credibility yeah. um, as, as I mean because these are big things for most people you know the concept of a uh, three four five million dollar building project yeah. is is quite Overwhelming and, and challenging and difficult. When you think about it, spread across all of the people in your church, it's not so bad. Yeah. But but so logistic, logistically, you say you put the why. Then yep. how do you roll it out? Do you know? Well, uh, I think um, a, a good model is, is the two phase model. So phase one, I mean, obviously you've done po- you've had, possibly years of work leading up to this, but because, because you had quite a few churches come to talk to you about how to mm. do this when they're halfway through doing it badly. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so, what so you, what do you want to say to them before they start? Well, I, I really think it's important to do the two-stage process. So stage one is um, uh, reaching out to people with information. So information packs, web resources, um, having people within church who are really sold out on, on what you're doing to go out and share the information with people. But I would advise never to send those people out to push, prod or sell. And I would argue further that that in stage two, the 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 job of pushing, prodding, and selling is the senior minister's job. That would be my argument, okay. and that's in phase two, which you do in church for a limited period of time. Yep. And I think the other thing to say about this is limited period of time. I think the the, the kind of campaigns where you've got the thermometer up the top of goes church for three years, and it goes for three years, and it goes for three years, yeah, it's it's not a good model. Yeah, we did it. I mean, we we as I think you did. Um, looked at what Rick Warren had taught in his Time to Build campaign, yep. and then I felt you and I think we both put more theological gristle into yep. the bones of that campaign because it yep. pragmatically was a super helpful campaign 
but I thought lacked a bit of theological gristle. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I think pra- pragmatically it was very good. Like, I mean, I think you know, his five M's thing is is great uh, as a, as a basic concept, but then some of his justifications for it are a little bit a little challenging bit as you yeah. read them. But <laughs> uh, but you know, there, there's uh, yeah. So I I think I mean I've always said you you can get good. Um, get good advice from anybody you know yep. we're, we're just down the road from the mormon temple yeah and i say to people we can we can learn at least gardening from them <laughs> you know there's good stuff everywhere you can pick up so um i mean what about can you be a member of the church and not part of the building pr- pr- program do you know i think ultimately yes of course you want to be be you know bringing everybody along with you and for some people they've got hurts and and, and struggles in their present or their past that mean they can't be. But in general, no, it, it's, it's part of what we're doing as a church together and we want everybody, you know, pulling in the same direction. And I guess our job as, as, as leaders is to try and um, do our best to engage everybody. You can't always engage everybody. I've noticed actually in all of the giving campaigns I've been part of, there's a small group within church that won't give until they see cranes and bulldozers. Really? It's just this... Thing that so for them that's okay just let them wait and see right. and there's another group who've got pains and hurts in the past and and for them sometimes it's it's not the first time you do it it's the second time you do and, it that and we and the person with pain and hurt we want to just sit and cry with them yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. there was a I was told also that there was going to be a percentage in our church that would never give whatever we did mm. and don't go wasting a lot of time on them. Run with the people who want to run with you. Yeah, you know? that's right. I mean, yeah. you're, you're never going to get everybody, but but I think yeah, the expectation is we're doing this together. Be part of it. You yeah. want to be part of it. Yeah. Let's go to a question from Mikey New. Um, he, he's actually given us a list. Um, uh, some of them we've already covered, but he said, "Would you mind commenting on the following things so I can share them with my committee?" That's actually a point. Some of our pastors' heart episodes uh, get watched once, and you, as a senior minister, or you as a member of the ministry staff, will engage, watch them, but. Other ones, um, you'll want to share them with your committee, and this episode particularly is one we're hoping to address the topics that you might want to share with the leadership committee at church. Mikey's asked, um, uh, vision and mission, mission ministry principles around the building design brief. Um, I mean, that's that's really key. I mean, if you're doing the total church model, you wouldn't do you wouldn't build a building. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think. Um that's right. You're going to know what you're doing, and and maybe you know for some people that's right. You know, some other model is better than building the building. Maybe you know that's that's the way to do it. But I, I think in in general terms, um, I, I go for value um, for money, but not um, ridiculous, cheap and nasty. I think yeah. I think that's an important thing. You want value for money because you you do find in a church there'll be some people who really think it should be cheap and nasty, and yeah. some people who think. How do you deal with that conflict? Yeah, you know? I think I think you've you've got to have strong leadership in the process, and, and you've got to have people who have a vision for what they're wanting to see happen. Um, I would advise to be very careful of architects. Um, we've got a very good architect we're working with, but um, I have worked in the past with some that weren't as good. I felt um, didn't quite understand what a church was. I think some architects get their information about what a church, what church architecture is from watching The Simpsons. Yeah. I think, you know, they build your Ned Flanders church yeah. if you're not careful. And uh, they'll run away with you too. Um, and, and they'll spend money on things that maybe you don't need, yeah. maybe you don't even want. And conversely, I found that there were some things 
that I wished they had spent money on yeah. that they didn't. I mean, yep. I, I remember kind of discovering that, that at one point, I don't know, was the project manager or someone was planning to put lino on the floor. Mm. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I took them over to the place yep. across the road and said, I want toilets that look like this. Yep. <laughs> Builders architects will often not understand your aversion to having columns in the middle of church. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got to kind of explain to them how it, how it works and why that's probably not such a good idea. Yeah. But and, you know, it costs more money to not have the column there. I think it's helpful. We're thinking the Jews be like the Jews to win the Jews. And so we've got to go into people's houses and look yeah. at, well, what are the toilets like in their houses? Do yeah. you know? I, I, I know a friend of mine is running a church in a suburb I won't name. Um, but his church building, I think, was probably the worst built space in his suburb. Like, there wasn't anywhere less pleasant to be in his suburb than his church. Maybe the the air-conditioned plant room at the shopping centre. But other than that, it was... Like, nobody lived like that. And so there's a... Yes, there is a reality that we as, as evangelical um, you know, heroes will... Have made almost we, the we'll, virtue of not yes, spending the yes, money we'll, on... Yes, we'll, we'll live in a nasty, horrible little box. But the reality is inviting people to join you when you're living in Diogenes' barrel is a yeah. little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, people won't want to join you in the barrel. Well, going back to Mikey's question... Um, an indication of your overall capital expenditure on specific big-ticket items, sound, AV, lighting, furniture. I'm going to add air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. What's your answer? Yeah. So sound, AV, lighting, furniture, I would say no more than 5% of your budget. I would say 3% of your budget is probably what you need. That stuff is really cheap. And so don't skimp. Whatever you do, don't skip on the sound system. Yeah, because the most important thing is you actually want people to come. You want people and to hear, hear the, the gospel, word of God. <laughs> and, and, and don't leave it with the builders who have no knowledge of that stuff to just, I don't know, go to Aldi and buy what's on sale that week and stick it in your roof. Get it properly designed. It's still a tiny proportion of building budget. The money's in the, the dirt and the concrete. That's where all the money is, and. Um, so, so you, you don't don't skimp on, on on those things. I think air conditioning too. I would argue in Australia. I don't know. I've never lived in Tasmania. Maybe that's the exception. But in the rest of Australia, air conditioning is not negotiable. It, yeah. it, it just isn't. I wish it was, but it isn't. And yeah. and so if you build a building without air conditioning, you're back with that problem. Is it's the worst space in the suburb on the day you're trying to preach the gospel in January. You know. Let me ask you a question. Um, I found that the hardest dollar to spend was the last dollar. Yeah. Um, and so we'd, we'd made decisions about spending all sorts of things on the journey through, and then right at the end, some things that w- w- I really wanted, mm. the church just kind of agonised over whether or not we would, we wouldn't. Yeah. And I'm actually just thinking of the coffee machine. Do you know? Yeah. And yep. um, in hindsight, I wished I'd bought the coffee machine nine months earlier and put it in a cupboard. <laughs> we've, we've got a budget for our coffee cart and that, that, that's a sacred budget. Right. We're, not going to, we're not going to give up on, on, the, on that. And yeah. so it, I remember we'd, we'd finished the building. It was kind of two years before we actually got yeah. a, yeah, yeah, a yeah, that's coffee right. machine, and which I, was just silly. You know? I had a, a project engineer um, with a lot of experience tell me that he said, all buildings have a thing. And he said his wisdom after building lots and lots and lots of buildings was... Always spend the money on the thing at the end. Whatever your building's thing is, there'll always be this extra bit of yeah. money that you should spend to fix that problem. Yeah. He said that the, the instinct is not to do it, but you should do it. Do yeah. it when you're building it. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Um, I've got some questions from Toby Neal, mm-hmm. uh, and Toby's looking at 
building projects in his church. Um, Some questions on property development for the pastor's heart. What team, lay and volunteer, do you need to pull it off well? What were their responsibilities? What level of time commitment is required for all parties? Let's do that one first. Yeah. Um, The senior minister needs to lead the the process. He needs to be the boss. He needs to be the one who's fronting church and saying, this is where we're going. This is what we need to do. I want you to be with us. Um, It doesn't mean that he needs to be the person who's running the building project. But you do need, I think, uh, I mean, to talk in Anglican terms, and you can make your own translation in other denominations, they will have similar structures, really. Um, The church wardens, who are the ones responsible for, for, for property, they need to know in detail what's going on. I think it's wise to have a building committee who are made up of people with some knowledge of buildings. So what we did the year of the building we actually made sure that the church wardens that were elected that year were the guys who were going to be the building committee yeah you know, yeah you um, can do that you can streamline it that way it depends on the building because they the were the ones who were responsible and, in the yeah. end and who who they are i mean you know in, in some cases um you can you can engineer it that way in other in other cases it's, it's harder to do that and you maybe don't have the uh, don't have or don't need the skill in the wardens but you need it somewhere else but i would say what you need Uh, very importantly, is a client representative. So you need somebody who lives and breathes the project. Yep, and Um, that's been you on these three projects. Well, in St Paul's, uh, yes, it's me. Um, I think with the EV buildings, there was me and another guy as well. And I think you need somebody to own it. And if that's going to be somebody like me, in the Anglican terms, I'm an assistant minister, um, you know, you're going to be paying me and big chunks of my time are going to be spent doing that. Now, the Anglican ordinances so, so how and much, things... how much percentage of your time, do you reckon, for the, um, for the year of the project? I, I was doing some calculations. I reckon roughly it's been half my time for four years. Right. But not always half. So sometimes it's 150% of my time. Yeah. Other times it's only been 5% of my time. But yeah. when you average it out, I think it's probably been half my time for for about four years. Now, if you don't have me, you've got to find a me. You've got to find somebody who will who will own the project and knows all the... In, and, and is yeah. the connector yeah. with everything. And, I mean, for some churches, that'll be a warden. Um, but, but and as I was about to say, the Ang- in the Anglican system, it, it's supposed to be the wardens. But the reality is, unless you've got a warden who's a semi-retired building industry person... It's going to be pretty hard. Most yeah. wardens won't have the skill or the time or yeah. the, the inclination yeah. to spend that much time, and somebody has to spend that much time on it. And you can't contract that out easily. It's got to be you. It's got to be yeah. a person who is you. So uh, what we did was during the actual year of building, I think the three wardens uh, who were effectively our building committee and the staff member who was the point person mm. met with the project manager and the builder every Wednesday morning at 7am for a year. Uh, That was their commitment of time in terms of the during the building-building process. But you said to me, 90% of the work is actually before that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. 90% of the work is before anything happens, before you sign that building contract. Once you sign the building contract... In essence, you've just paid a builder millions of dollars to build the building. Yep. And aside from fixing little problems on the way, like 2,000 tonnes of contaminated Dispestors. soil, um, you, um, you, you, uh, they just do it. That's what you're paying them all the money for. Getting the money, 
working out what you want to build, getting council approval to build it. Um, and, and the reality and is lots of us on council approval are going to have difficult fights. Yeah. Um, tell us about the fights you've been through with council um, or, or what you've learnt about council. I think uh, approach council as constructively as you can is, is my, yeah. my advice. Um, you might occasionally find um, people in the planning staff who are hostile or, or whatever. Um, I had a, a, a councillor who was from the, I think, the Greens Party on the Central Coast say to me, um, when we were um, trying to push our, our project through the first one, he said, I, I was talking to him about, I was trying to convince him of something, and he said, you know, we can count, don't you? Like, he was, what he was saying was, you're a large group, um, we understand that, we're not going to get in your way particularly, yeah. was what he was kind of saying. And, and, and so there, there's a political reality around yeah, councils yeah, yeah. That, that, well, well, that you need to understand it and, and sometimes that, use. Yeah, and that was our experience too in that I think the planning staff came out totally against our proposal and yet the councillors saw that there were a significant number of voters yeah. who wanted this community facility to happen. Oh, that's right. And they had given a lot of their money to yeah. make this happen. Yeah. And so they expected their councillors not to get in the way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember I was in this building, in your building, at the Nexus conference when I got the call that uh, the council amalgamations meant that one week before we were going to get council approval, our whole thing was stuck in a box and mailed to the new council. Oh. And uh, so we and then done had all to, that lobbying. Yeah, and it was it was literally <laughs> one week away from being signed off, and we then had to go through with another council. But actually, I found mostly the councils and the councillors and most planning staff pretty good, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, you need to understand what your rules are, and those rules are. Uh, it's also worth understanding for Christians that the planning rules are designed to be regulations and guidelines, not rules. Yeah. So. Councils are allowed to alter yep. the, the, the rules and give you exemptions and all kinds of things. Yeah. And so you, we need to engage and, and ask. It's, it's designed to be a, a, a sort of contested process. Yeah. And so we need to engage yeah. with that. I mean, we've had massive exemptions on parking re regulations yeah. here. You know? Yeah, we um, didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a question from Alan Vincent. Uh, he's asking, do you see a different approach with a city church compared to a regional church? Yes, Absolutely. The big difference is just the quantum of money. Yeah. So if you don't own, if you if you're trying, if you're in Sydney, and you don't own land, I think you need to think about other strategies. To be yeah. honest, um, there are strategies. There's buying warehouses. There's buying. There's there's leasing warehouses and then spending a million dollars fitting out a leased warehouse on a commercial lease over ten yeah. years and that kind of thing. But again, that problem you raised of people sinking down roots and thinking, well, what happens in year yeah, 10 when the lease yeah. expires and they're going to turn that warehouse into an apartment block or whatever it, you know, whatever yeah. happens? So, so there's issues about thinking about things differently. But if you are in the city and you own land and buildings, do not sell land ever, 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 ever. ever. <laughs> We've just done what so Protestants have, have, have just in Australia have done a shocking job of safeguarding the future by just selling the farm, and, and And selling the farm to pay the grocery bill. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, That's exactly And the doing. grocery bill actually, of, even of building a building by selling the farm, yep. you, you sell property over here yep. in order to put a build, whereas that building yep. will decay. We have, a, we have will. a history, uh, uh, somebody wrote a history of St Paul's Carlingford, which I think is entitled um, Time Will Tell. And um, you know, my my subtitle for it is read it and weep. 
because it is just a litany of selling land to build buildings that were subsequently demolished. Buildings have a life cycle of 30 or 50 years, then you demolish them and do something else. So if you sell land to build a building, you're selling out your children and your grandchildren um, in in reality. For 30 years of groceries. Yes, for 30 years of groceries. So don't sell land. Um, If you own the land, you need to leverage the land. If you're in regional Australia, uh, maybe some of the smaller cities, the, the concept of buying land to build buildings is still alive. But, but here it's really quite really hard. difficult. Yeah. One last question. Cameron Griffiths, have you seen any clever ways of drawing a rental income from repurposing our building through the week by renting it out to other groups? Anything we should think about in this area before we lay the foundation? Yes. Um, EV Church and St Paul's are buildings that are absolutely smashed morning till night, six days a week. Yeah. Um, there's very little space, time, window there for anybody else to use it. We can shoehorn somebody in for something, but it's pretty hard. So I think that kind of thinking is... And that's is the dream, rare. isn't it? You want to be at that well, point. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it'd be nice to have more room for growth and stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, it, but if you're in a, a small church that's asset rich, there, there might be some options that you could think about. But again, I'd be very careful that you weren't, again, sort of selling the farm. So... You know, you sign a long-term agreement with a preschool or something. I think that's madness. All of a sudden, yeah. you, 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 you're five years into a 10-year agreement and you need that space to expand and you can't because you've... And any goodwill you get at the beginning from having a preschool there yeah. is more than lost yeah. when you finally have to tell them to move out. Yeah, yeah you get to the end of the is, 10 years and you need to move is them on. furious with you. you yeah, yep, that's right. So I think be very careful with that stuff. Having said that, I think community use of the building... So primary schools using the building yep. or that kind of stuff, that's great if you yep. can make that work. Um, I think in, in the inner city, sometimes if you've got the land, you know, retail or that kind of stuff, it's, it's all possible. I think some people around are considering uh, co-developments with uh, uh, retirement village type yep. accommodation, that kind of thing. I think that kind of stuff um, is interesting and, and possible. I think if you are a church considering getting into a co-development deal with high-rise property development. I think, you know, you know that saying, count your fingers when you deal yeah. with them? I think, I think that's, that's completely inadequate. I think it's more that scene in Jurassic Park where the thing, the, the Tyrannosaurus just comes down and yeah. eats the yeah. person. Yeah. That's what you're dealing with. Because they you're are just just so eaten. much more wily and skillful. They are. And, they've got, and they've got an office block full of backup stuff. You've just got three wardens and the minister and... You don't really know what you're doing, and they're going to skin you alive. So I, I just think be super careful. Yeah. And, and there's a litany of, of mistakes that churches have made in that area in the past. So yeah. be very careful. Andrew, it's been super helpful. Thanks so much for coming in and talking to us. Great pleasure. My guest on The Pastor's Heart this afternoon has been Andrew Robson from St Paul's Carlingford. And, of course, um, he's been involved in the uh, two church-building projects at EV Church on the Central Coast and also the one currently going on at uh, St Paul's Anglican Church in Carlingford. Thanks for watching The Pastor's Heart this afternoon. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover The Pastor's Heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash thepastorsheart.